Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. This is escape. Then we're the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our fourth review of the book of Boba Fett, Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm. We're about to get into one of the best episodes of the season, is what I thought at least, and uh, we've got a few voices on the show today that is uh, going to be participating in this little chat. We have uh, Darian returning as well as our co-host Blake, and we're going to bring them on in just a second, but uh, before we start things up, I just wanted to say, shoot us an email with what your thoughts are on both of this podcast as well as the book of Boba Fett. We'd love to hear from you guys. Let's get into it. Another happy landing. All right. Welcome back to the show. Blake. Thank you. Darren. Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> good, good. It's going well. How'd you guys like this episode? It was fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. You know, I wrote down a decent amount of notes, so it's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Maybe like, I like the second episode too, but um, this one was fantastic. I love the setup for The Mandalorian, as I'm sure we'll talk about shortly. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, this was a fantastic episode. I gotta say, this is probably my favorite one out of the whole thing. And oh, I love really? a I love a really good revenge story. So I don't know if, about you guys. Have you seen The Count of Monte Cristo? You're talking or... about the Sarlacc here, right? Revenge on the Sarlacc? <laughs> I'm talking about the whole thing, man. The Sarlacc, the the, 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 the Niktos on the speeder bikes, all of oh it. Oh my you know? God. That was the best scene, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. So it was, savage. It was, right? it was so great. I, I felt like we finally got to see Boba Fett as Boba Fett. Yeah. Right. Until then, there was like it was like an imposter. Yeah, yeah. In the imposter comic. What if he just and said just drove past him with a seismic charge? Or just like just did that. That'd be good too. At least yeah. he, he didn't like. It would be down, nearly like, as intense. Send down like apology cards. <laughs> I got I got to set the seismic charge as my new ringtone or something. Oh my gosh! <laughs> this thing is now legendary. <laughs> um. We can get into that at that point. Yeah. I got some thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So major spoilers ahead. Uh, major spoilers ahead for, you know, anyone tuning in. Uh, just heads up. So uh, let's uh, let's start off with the beginning where Boba Fett's spying on Jabba's temple. And this is uh, this is the majority of this episode was actually a flashback sequence. Uh, a lot yeah, which is funny because afterwards, when I first finished watching it, it didn't feel like it was a flashback episode. And then I rewatched it to take down notes. I'm like, wait, I, like skipped ahead. I'm like, wow, there's only like 10 minutes that isn't flashback. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, what'd you think of this, Darian? I loved it. Well, especially like, have we seen like Jabba's Hut like this in depth before? Like, I don't know. I don't watch much of the Xfinity Diverse stuff, but like, that was cool. This whole episode was really brought things together. Like, even. We saw like the flares like from the Mandalorian and like how we literally saw like Boba's like 
feat in the Mandalorian, and now we've like seen the other side of that from this show. Like I thought that was so cool, and they tie the music together. But that's yeah. why I love the show so much. Is like they do such a good job of like tying in like extended universe stuff with like the Black Wookiee, like Black. What is it? Yeah, Grandstand Black, Black or Santan? Yeah. Santan, yeah but you could also like enjoy it and like just watch like the normal star wars movies and then watch this and enjoy it but they also make it fun for viewers that watch all of star wars and all of the content like right. it's fantastic oh absolutely it's all like woven together yeah 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 definitely uh the the beginning of this episode was was very interesting and you know to get back to your comment about the temple uh about the complexity of how much we've seen we've never seen that amount of space or the amount of rooms that we have just now. I had no idea it was that yeah. big. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't either. Because Return of the Jedi and even Mandalorian we see it and everything. It's always just the front door and then Jabba's throne room. And yeah. so you're led to believe you just walk in and you're there. Yeah. This this show is gonna be like the prisoner of Azkaban of Star Wars, you know, it's like we saw a decent amount of the castle and, you know, Hogwarts in the first two movies, but now it's just like, boom, you get a whole other perspective. You get that, you know, like a whole yeah. other, you see the other side of it kind of thing and, and mm-hmm. the hangar and all these rooms that we never saw before. Right. So it's, it's pretty cool to see that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, I guess, skipping a little head towards when, when Fennec helps him out. But, um, when we started off this episode, do we talk about that a little bit though, because, what's relevant to this conversation is so when he when boba flew the slave one out did he go through that front door that everyone keeps walking in because it looks like that's the only door big enough for a ship to go through we never really see another door no it's a different door because they they snuck him through the side entrance but yeah yeah we, we never actually saw the door that they left out of like from the exterior well, yeah, we did. So, so at the beginning of the episode, he's spying on the temple, but he's spying specifically on like this hangar bay area, which has so that, its own massive. It's not door. the same door as no. Return of the Jedi. No, okay, there's two big it doors. Was. It looked the same. Yeah, so there's two big doors. There's one. There's one to the hangar, which is kind of like buried underground in kind of like the cliff that the temple is built on, and then the the main temple building has its own big massive door, which is the one that I believe we see uh, R two okay. and three PO at. Yeah. Okay, I'm so, glad we talked about that because I thought they were the same thing. Right. Yeah. No. So, um, so uh, the so you know Boba's spying on the temple and all that stuff, and uh, one of the coolest things happens in in this entire episode, which like I literally just sat up in my seat when I saw it, was you see the the bang and the flare of Mandalorian, you know, off in the distance, yeah. going after Fennec yeah. Shand with the the kid, right? The, and the yeah, gun, you even hear thing. like some sort of flute too, right? Yeah, like, there's a sound effect as well. Yeah, I, I remember I was yeah. during that part. I was kind of looking at my phone, like I was researching something, and I just look up because I heard the music, and I'm like, "Oh my!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I saw the that. flare in the sky. I knew right away. I was like, "This is it. This is this is like maybe where we're gonna see him, like you know, yeah, see what's going on down there." But you know, he's it's riding funny. a bantha, so it takes him a while to get there. But. It takes him a long time. Yeah, she's sitting there bleeding out, and he's just <laughs> taking his time. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we. I, mean, I know. Uh, at least, at least, I brought it up at one point. I don't know how many of you guys. Um, out there have been speculating about this, but, uh, you know, I always thought that we would see that Fennec Shand Boba first time meeting how he saves her and everything like that. I just had no idea that it was going to happen midway through this show. Cause this is now chapter yeah, four out of seven. Agreed. Right. I mean, it's still flashback, but because that, that basically says this is the end of the flashback, right? Cause we kind of know what happens after this. I'm skipping forward a little bit when I say this, but 
when he comes out of the back to tank and the back to tank says you are fully healed fully sir healed. and then yeah. y- you also see that full transition of him sitting on the throne as well as him like waking up in the water and you see the overlay of the helmet on his face mm-hmm. and then it kind of ghosts away and then he gets out and he, he's all rejuvenated and it's kind of like an end to the nightmares that he first started yeah. off in the first episode with where he says to Fennec like the nightmares are back you know or whatever he says yeah but, yeah so yeah. yeah I think they they very conclusively say this is the last episode with flashbacks yeah I think so uh, it makes sense because we're running out of time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're we're running out. Not of time that what we haven't story. seen is like it's important, but yeah. It's, yeah, but I think the point you're getting at is each episode has been like sixty to seventy five percent flashback, so we kind of need to get on with the rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Um, the... There's another thing in that scene that I think was a big surprise and a change yeah. to canon, at least as far as I knew. That you kind of skipped over. Oh, which was that's that we found out banthas are carnivorous, <laughs> <laughs> or at least omnivores. That's that's true. I guess I guess he gives a bantha like a well, like a chicken leg. Or I something. never actually considered that before. I mean, like, what what do banthas eat? I thought they were cows, so I thought they'd eat like vegetation, but yeah, there's but no natural gross? No vegetation. <laughs> that's what I mean. So I thought they were just fed like yeah. grains, right. but you see them wandering around the desert. So I would love to know what they eat. I never actually, I never thought about it until he tosses him some of the the chicken or whatever he's eating. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not, but at the same time, they're not like proper carnivores because they, they have teeth like cows and horses and they don't have eyes at the the front of their head. So they're not like hunters. So they don't naturally eat meat. So at least as like a, a main meal. Right. So I think, I think they're omnivores, maybe more like a bear. They just kind of eat whatever they can find. Yeah. Yeah. But d- it'd be weird so. to see a carcass with a bunch of banthas eating it. Just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, we know so that cows. Tree, like trees grow, obviously. Because you got, got, like, got that. Yeah, the one tree, I guess, maybe. But. I don't know. I mean, this is a great, great question. Like, what do banthas eat in a desert that, like, has nothing, right? And they're so slow. They're not hunters. So yeah, definitely it's not. It's really confusing. Yeah, I, I don't really know exactly what George Bottle. was thinking. <laughs> I think we got a tweet, Pablo. This is tweet, a tweet, Pablo. Pablo yeah, Pablo can answer that. That that'll have him <laughs> puzzled for months. <laughs> you know, he's Pablo, like, stop dodging the question. Just answer it. All right, or, or we'll ask Dave, and Dave will go to Marvel Comics. Hey guys, you know we gotta make a comic and fill this plot hole. <laughs> yeah, right, I want it in a week. <laughs> want to see a draft on my desk on Monday? <laughs> oh we messed gosh. it up. Probably, yeah. Bring in some like ridiculous thing. Maybe, yeah. Like mana, mana falls from the sky when it rains. Very, very rarely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, or more horrifyingly, they just eat people. <laughs> <laughs> they live off the Tuscans. Yeah, yeah, they feed the dead Tuscans to them. <laughs> so, uh, so she, so we see Boba actually save Fennec Shand in her, uh, in, in all her glory, sitting there, you know, lying there half dead on the sand, and he brings her to the most interesting of places, which I never would have suspected even exists on Tatooine, mind you does explain a lot as to why we've had these four cybernetic people show up in the last episode. Uh, there's a something called a mod parlor on 
Tatooine. And it's basically just like a tattoo shop, but you go yeah, there and buy so mods. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like pop in. It's like, yeah, like uh, I was wondering if you got time to remove my arm and maybe put something to steal there instead. <laughs> just casually. Yeah. I mean,. <sighs> I, I, like what do you what are you guys thoughts on this because like has I'm, there been anything in the past that's like there's, well, there's someone, there's someone no, modded like, is that the term there is cyborgs uh, in star wars but yeah because anakin yes, right yes, but i mean like Luke. is there anything like like we saw her in the mandalorian like yeah. did so did we know she was modded before this episode no, she'd never been modded before. He brought her there literally to save her life, and then and then paid off. Right, but that but that took place before the Mandalorian, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, no, dur during the Mandalorian. Right. So like mo most See, of the yeah, flashbacks. I, I think I know what you're getting at. Yeah. During the Mandalorian, I didn't know she was modded either. Yeah. But they revealed it at the start of the Boba Fett series. Yeah. So like she. And, yeah. So she pulls. I wonder off if it's her... gonna be like, if it's just to like help her live, or if it's gonna have some sort of superpower we'll call it you know how usually they get like mm. gadgets or something right. like maybe she'll be able stomach. to like spew yeah yeah so she can, like, i don't know eat anything i mean she hasn't <laughs> she revealed she, she hasn't revealed anything so far but but yeah i mean it, it, it actually explains a lot because in the mandalorian episode when they're on tython and they you know boba finally kind of reveals himself for the first time uh fennec is there right and she's got her sni sniper pointed at the child sitting on the rock and everything and Boba wants his armor back and everything like that. And when she kind of comes down from the cliff, um, he, he he kind of exp or she kind of explains how she is still alive because Din Djarin's just like Fennec, like how are you still alive, kind of thing. And and then she says Boba Fett, and then you, you, she pulls off this like kind of cloth part of her waist, I guess. It's like this Velcro thing, and then you see all the machinery. And she says, "Okay, I just scene. I just forgot about that scene. I guess." Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like this. This is finally kind of the the episode in Book of Boba that overlaps with the Mandalorian. So, all the flashbacks we got before were uh, pretty much before Mandalorian. Uh, you know, in, right. in in those five years, I guess, which happened very quickly in three episodes worth of flashbacks. Yeah, but, it was really fast. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of neat to see how that even came about because, you know, once again, it's like I, I guess. It's not that weird. Weirdly enough, I was more weirded out the first time I saw the cyborg kids and the scooters. I think it was. I think it was the <laughs> yeah. scooters. It's, it's got to be the Vestas. The, the, the Vespas were the I think ones. It was that all got... of it. They didn't feel, like we talked about this last week. It didn't feel Star Wars. I feel like they're Doctor Who. Just don't bring them back. Just yeah. <laughs> let's just my... all forget it happened. Yeah, I'm gonna change my answer. My favorite part of this episode wasn't the bikers getting gunned down. It was that those cyborg high school kids weren't in this episode <laughs> what if he brings this slave one like back to wherever and then shoots down the people on the the vespas <laughs> just <laughs> i i someone should like super cut and like switch it out <laughs> i gotta i gotta say i gotta say one of the one of the first things that i thought of when i saw this techno-y kind of plays was spy kids like i just i just it got it got me thinking about spy kids man and then we the rest of the episode I'm, I'm gonna bring it up like <laughs> twice now like more through the episode or something like that because there was another thing that was like straight out of spy kids but uh here like listen to this music hold on a second here isn't that no like straight out of spy kids three i will say the music in this episode i thought was severely lacking <laughs> it's like super techno it is very techno-y and it felt Aren't really odd to be here 
needs modification. No walk-ins. Appointment only. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was it was an interesting kind of vibe I got from that place. But, uh, you know, it fit the scene. It fit the characters that were in there and everything like that. It's just I didn't I never pictured something like that being on Tatooine of all places, you know, like maybe yeah. the well, lower levels of Coruscant yeah. or Narshada or like a really bustling right. city place, but not in the middle of the, the desert. <laughs> I guess because they they did try to make it essentially a tattoo parlor. So maybe it is as common as tattoo parlors. Maybe. Maybe. I it, mean, you know, because I think the only real influence they have for it is from the D&D books, right? Because that's the only right. time you really see anyone outside of a hospital or like getting stuff because there is backstory in a lot of those game books as right. far as like the process or whatever. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Darian? Yeah, I didn't. First of all, wasn't it some sort of a cameo? I'm not familiar with what it was, but I was just reading about the episode. And the guy that was doing the modifications, I think he wasn't just like an extra. I think he was maybe a cameo of some sort. I wasn't familiar with the name. Oh, um, I, I didn't actually recognize him, but... Uh, oh, a musician cameo. Yeah, he's like a bass guitarist oh. or a, a rapper or something, like a bass guitarist rapper or something I read. Oh, anyway, okay. I thought, um, Thundercat. I don't know. Thundercat. That's his name. Yeah. Thunder, Thundercat. I don't know. Why I didn't think of that. Thundercat looks like a Thundercat. Honestly, Thundercat? I, I still don't know oh! who he is. <laughs> I still don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah. Like you, Josh, I felt the, I felt the, the actual like mod parlor was a little bit out of place, but, um, I can also see how, like, if it's popular, like a tattoo shop, like kind of. Yeah, they just it pop, kind of fits. Pop all over. Yeah, it kind of kind of fits the vibe of the city. Right. Yeah, it was it, some pretty clean work though. Like I don't know much about modding, but I looked at the his work and it was pretty nice. Yeah, it's true. You know, so it, what's odd is Boba asked what for he's doing. <laughs> Boba asked for a covering. He's like, "What? You want to cover all that up?" And the first thing I thought of, yeah, you're on Tatooine. Everything's covered in sand. Why would you leave it open? That's <laughs> true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's gonna um, immediately get full of sand and jammed up. <laughs> I don't know. The, here's the thing. Here's just my like my hot take on that whole debate, right? The Vespa chase kind of sucked. It was a bit slow in the last episode, but this episode explains the kids, the cyborg kids. And yeah. then my other opinion about this whole thing: cyborg kids don't not fit Star Wars. It's just they they seem like they're in the wrong place. That's all, right? More weirder is, I don't know why, but somehow this mod parlor kind of justified why these kids were on Tatooine in the first place. But then right. that then that's replaced with a new question is, why is there a mod parlor on Tatooine in the first place in the middle of nowhere? Like this this place wasn't even close to a city from what I could tell. Like in the shot. It, just I would of, think that mods are very expensive and everyone on Tatooine is dirt poor. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, you know. I hope no one takes offense to this, but it's kind of like the Star Wars version of Mexico. Like it's kind of it. It's stylized to be that way. Whereas like a lot of places in Mexico or like in the southern parts of like the the states, it's like lost this, lost that. Um, in in Tatooine, it's Moss. It's M O S. Moss this, mm -hmm. Moss that. You know. So like you know, there is supposed to be this very western kind of southern 
You know, it's like the it's like the cowboys and, like and an old West Town. It's the old West Town. It's the, it's the old Mexican style, you know, old West Town, right? Like Mexico and the old Wild West. Like it really has this like yeah. common theme, right? So it you know it's it's kind of supposed to be like that, and and a lot of the society built around the world of Tatooine is kind of inspired off of you know real world places like yeah, it makes Mexico, sense. It's like a lawless right? town, right? Yeah, like, yeah, and like you know, kinda anything goes. Right. Whoever has the biggest gun is in charge. Yeah. So, like, you know, I don't know how it is for, like, kids in Mexico these days. Maybe you walk into, like, the middle of the desert. There's a tattoo parlor. Um, <laughs> it could be a thing. Like, I, I just Do you don't think know, maybe right? this was all just to ex- explain her, like, mods, though? Like, even the, the, the kids will call them that we saw last episode. Like, maybe they're literally only brought in to explain why there's a mod parlor. Yeah. And there's a mod parlor to explain because why she's modded. How she survived. <laughs> Maybe that's like too like big picture yeah. or like that no, seems like I, a, I, I see what you're saying. I think that's yeah entirely. Especially if we don't see these kids again, I do. I do think we will see them again because Boba's gonna need some muscle coming up. But and target practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, no, that, that's actually a very good point. It does feel like it's all kind of like, like wrangled together to just make an explanation. Right. Right. Uh, well, there's, there's one other thing in this mod parlor shop that is directly relevant to something Josh and I brought up over and over and over again watching Bad Batch. I want to know if he remembers what that, what that was. Oh, the, the, the multi-purpose arm. Yeah, we finally see we finally a Swiss see Army it. arm yeah. that we wanted Echo to have. For right. the entire series, yeah, he keeps walking around with this, like this, this, you know, this stupid like screwdriver, yeah. and and it's like, dude, like, like pull out like the the you know the the torch or the the blaster arm or something like that or whatever, right? Like something yeah. a little more well, useful. Well, why does this super advanced? He's on like the the Navy SEAL SWAT team, right? Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't have like a kick-ass hand that has like a million different functions. That should be his thing. Yeah, he needs to visit this yeah. Tatooine. Yeah, Remote. that's got to yeah. be it. Him and Thundercat got to set up a <laughs> hangout. Instead, that yeah, they just give it to the, like this random guy at a tattoo shop. <laughs> um, so you know, Fennec's alive and everything like that, and she wakes up outside the fire pit, and her and Boba have a little bit of chat, and she actually helps him break into the temple. She uses this little mini drone thing, which is a pretty neat little gadget. And yeah. uh, we see all these parts of the castles that that we, we haven't seen before, which is, like, super cool. Mm-hmm. And another touching moment in this sequence was Boba says goodbye to his Bantha. And it was actually a lot more emotional than I was expecting. I mean, <laughs> <It's true. laughs> I mean, he was this, like, you know, this badass bounty hunter saying goodbye to a Bantha of all, of all well, things. It's and his steed. It's his steed. Yeah, it's like, okay, once again, an Old West reference, right? You know, and it's and he he sends it off into the wild and and yeah, uh, and I think they were also showing that Boba, I guess, has an affinity for animals, so that's why yeah. he likes the rancor. I guess, right. so. yeah, I guess so. Um, this is also Even something though, something that I, I yeah didn't mention last time that I probably should have because we just watched the holiday special. Um, but John Favreau loves the holiday special. All right, and he gets jokes about it all the time. But he he's a guy <laughs> that loves the holiday special. Uh, in the holiday special, there's an animated short called The Faithful Wookiee. And it's, it's, a, it's I don't know, eight minutes long. It's on Disney+. And uh, Boba's first appearance ever was in this short. And he shows up riding this riding giant dinosaur. creature thing. Yeah, this giant dinosaur. So when he says to Danny Trejo's character, the, you know, the Beastmaster, that of, 
I want to ride it. <laughs> and yeah, then, yeah. And then he's, you know, he's got his like setbacks, whatever. But he's like, I've ridden beasts larger than this one or something, right? He like kind of subtly mentions he's ridden stuff that's bigger before. Does that mean it's, that Boba's dinosaur is canon? I I don't know if that. <laughs> I don't know if technically he's it's G level canon. Don't r- forget. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Right? Like, I mean, he could either be referencing. It might be a little Easter egg, like a drop in the bucket, like John Favreau kind of saying, like, "Hey, I love the holiday special. Like, screw you guys. Like, you know, he rode a dinosaur kind of thing." Or he could be talking about a bantha, and I don't know in what world a bantha is bigger than a rancor. <laughs> but, a rancor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't I think wanted, so. Wanted to bring it up. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like he, he's got an affinity for for riding a lot of animals. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, technically, old school canon of Mandalorians is they're, they're all like that, right? I and mean, they kind of bring that up in Mandalorian season one, where it's like your ancestors rode the great mythosaur. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, and you know, speaking of which, I know we had this conversation a while ago, and uh, recently somebody confirmed this. Uh, it was either Robert, John, or or Dave. Or Tamora. It was one it was one of the four people, but they actually said straight up like that, yeah, Boba's not really a Mandalorian. He wears the Mandalorian armor, but he's actually not a Mandalorian. Uh he like says that in Mandalorian season two. Yeah, he says that yeah, he says that as well in in the show. He doesn't well, he doesn't say I'm not a Mandalorian, he just says I, I don't have an allegiance. Um so but yeah, it's you know, now that he mentioned it, I was I was I kept forgetting to bring that up, but uh, but yeah, more recently in one of the interviews, like they, they said that. And uh, I remember speculating about this with when we had Jess on the podcast, that one episode, you know, the yeah, yeah we were talking about who's the most Mandalorian out of all the Mandalorians we've seen because. Uh, and uh, yeah, the original Mandalorian is no longer Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. The guy who made them, who yeah. inspired the race. <laughs> yeah, Boba Fett's not a Mandalorian. Django's not really a Mandalorian. And. You know, I guess Bo- but, Bo-Katan's the most was, Mandalorian that we've ever met because even Din Djarin, who's a Mandalorian, mm-hmm. is actually a Mandalorian of the the Watch, like a kind of like this yeah. offshoot branch of the Mandos, right? They have their this is the way like cult thing going on. So, um, yeah, That's it's a good point. It's kind of interesting, but um, <laughs> yeah, all these shows based on the Mandalorian, and it's just like a like it's like a so false convoluted. it's a false truth, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but then was Django raised by Mandalorians? Yeah. It, well, so in the book of, Bo- well, actually I was just, uh, it was in the Mandalorian episode. Boba's armor has a chain code that he pops yeah. up on a hologram. And in that hologram is the name Jaster Mareel, which is actually Django's Mandalorian kind of godfather figure. It was the guy who actually raised him after his parents were slaughtered. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, there was a bit of a, bit of a connection there but that's the only canon yeah. mention that yeah that he ever was connected to that's a name that also came up in the 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 old the uh, republic commando Command- yeah the republic yeah. commando books in the eu brought him up a lot as well as the old comic Karen books. travis i think was the writer yeah there was an old comic series called open seasons Django fett and it was all about Django's origin and uh that that also had him in it as a primary character and stuff but anyway we're getting a little off topic here um but yeah, this this was cool, like seeing seeing a lot of the, the temple and everything like that. Um, the the next scene kind of really got me. This is where I, the next spike is reference comes in. Fennec uses a burning marker to to make their way inside the the cell bars of like the the sewers or whatever to to break in. Straight out of spike kids, I kid you not. Like that was like they used a burning <laughs> marker to get their parents out of the cell in Floop's temple. 
And it's the same oh deal gosh. here. They, Boba and Fennec breaking their way in with like a laser marker. And they literally, like she draws on the thing. Exactly. Yeah, it like kept cutting when she like took yeah. away her pen or whatever. Y yeah, exactly. And it was one of, uh, in Spy Kids, Danny Trejo's character, you know, Uncle Machete. Uh, he 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 has like a company that makes spy gadgets, and when yes, Juni right. Juni and Carmen kind of rob his place when they escape, they steal the plane and a bunch of stuff, and uh, they got all these gadgets when they end up at Floop's temple to save their parents. And Carmen pulls out this like red marker thing, and draws on these bars to get through them. Well, like the Floop guy is you know flipping through his keys trying to find the right one to unlock the cell, and this marker these lines on the, on the bars burn through like acid and she's able to get these like pops off the bars as if they were, you know, just severed right in, right in half kind of thing. But I, I thought that was so cool. I was like, this the is, reference. this is like yeah. a grade reference right here. <laughs> Other than that, he's just reusing the same. like. <laughs> yeah. I also really like the scene right after that, where, uh, Boba chews some some bubble gum and then puts it on the wall and you find out there's a miniature spy camera in it. <laughs> and they use that to avoid the guards. Well, using this little drone thing was not far off of all the cameras that Junie's putting around the temple and spy <laughs> kids. I mean, like they, it pretty much it was the same deal, right? Like they had this little little camera thing yeah. floating down the halls, and you know, uh, yeah, it was it was really really quite something to see all these. All these little references, I was like, "Wow!" Like, Spikes, yeah, because Spike is—I love Spike. It's growing up. Like, I, I mean, I still quite like those movies. They're they—they're pretty cheesy and stuff, and they're made for kids and all that. But uh, you know, I had such a a love for it when I was younger that's never really gone away. Um, but uh, you know, they—they they, so they break in. Uh, what'd you guys think of the fry cook? The grievous vibes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. Literally, just like spinning <laughs> cooking knives. <laughs> I enjoyed that quite a lot. Except he had six arms. You notice that? He one up Grievous. <laughs> one up Grievous, yeah. And yeah. have we seen that droid before? Uh, the other, the so. other one. We I have. think we we've seen that the little droid that's like yeah. uh, running around. I think yeah. he's in Clone Wars, right? Or like yeah, at least, you're right. Yeah. Um, so there was mm -hmm. there was two out of the three droids that we've seen before. We never saw the knife one before, but his callback to Grievous was pretty funny. Um, and then uh, we saw the Butler droid because he's the one that tells R two and three PO where they're gonna go. Yeah. When they're captured, right? He's like, "Yes, I have need of you on the master sail barge." You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like that guy. And then, uh, and then the little rabbit droid, the rat the, catcher. Yeah, yeah, the little rabbit thing. That that thing showed up in Clone Wars a lot. Yeah, I, I was, yeah. one of my notes was we finally get to see that droid in live action, and it looks just as goofy. It's, <laughs> it does. It's, it's got like this huge butt, and then this really tiny body, and these like spindly legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about. Seen Clone Wars? They're the little rabbit droid things that are usually walking around all the separatist leaders. There, it was a separatist droid to use. I think like it was. Uh, I was trying to remember where specifically I could recall it from earlier. At first, I thought it was the droid that Cad Bane used, but it's not. It's not. That no, one. it's not that one. But but they did have an appearance in the theatrical animated release for the Clone Wars in two thousand eight. Uh, they were uh, there was a droid that gave General Lothsum this. I think it was General Lothsum. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing up the name with somebody else, but. Uh, it was that general at the very beginning that sits down with Kenobi and has tea while they discuss terms of surrender and then Anakin and Ahsoka have to disable the shield. Um, there's a little rabbit droid or something that delivers him a hologram thing. He like puts it in his ears and the ears fold up and so it's elevated like half a foot more or whatever. Um, and then there was, uh, there was another one. 
I think uh, in the bomb episode, in the the Blue Shadow Virus episode, where uh, where where Jar Jar and, and Padme are trying to trying to disable or find all these these bombs around uh, the bunkers of of Naboo, this laboratory that's been built underground, and uh, one of these little rabbit droids takes one of the bombs and runs away, and is actually responsible for setting it off, kind of thing, and that's that's what releases the virus in that that episode, but. Uh, there's a few times that that droid showed up and uh, this one was a slightly different color it wasn't the standard like teal kind of purplish blue that we've normally seen him in but uh it was it was so neat to see that droid in live action yeah uh, yeah uh, that whole scene i thought was just so ridiculous though it was have you guys ever seen the movie mouse hunt no no oh, okay i mean it's a classic film definitely recommend checking it out but it's these the plot of that movie is these two brothers they inherit a house but the inside the house there's this mouse that they can't get rid of and the mouse is extremely clever and they're like not able to catch it and there's just all these foibles of them trying to stop the mouse right and i felt like that's what was going on between boba and this droid (laughs) it's like chasing around the the droids like going through the oven yeah yeah Oh my gosh! No, that's that's exactly that's exactly what happened in Clone Wars when those droids show up. A lot of the time, they're they're the ones that kind of scamper they, away with because they're like rodents. Yeah, with the ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You uh, think when when these when this, these shows are created and we see like droids we've already seen before, like they must create like what the show's gonna be, and then someone must go in and like basically like put little Easter eggs kind of things like, oh, we need a droid here. Let's use this droid that we used. In Attack of the Clones or whatever it is, like, do you think that's how they do it, or like they just are like, oh, we, we want to use this droid, let's create a scene to use it. I think that's how they do it with directors who don't or aren't as involved with the Star Wars franchise. I think that they they write the script and then they talk to people like Pablo and Story Group to get ideas of where canon things can be put in. But I think in this case, Dave Filoni is directly involved, so he probably just already knows. It's just, he takes care of all that that's my guess right that'd, that'd be my guess too i think i think maybe you know some some scene is written and a guy like robert you know star wars fan might have something specific in mind but you know in in which he might not know the specifics of everything i go uh, a bumbling little droid walks in and does this or that or whatever and and then someone like dave or whatever might might take a look or maybe even the story group when they're reviewing it together and they might make suggestions like that. And that's kind of what story group is for is like they make people like Pablo's on the story group, I think. Uh, but they make suggestions to say, oh, in, you know, for this ship, you could actually go with this and that would actually make a connection there. Or uh, or we can make this droid that droid. And, you know, you can have like a direct correlation Interesting. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Dave would throw in his his two cents as well. I'm sure if he if he has something in mind as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's interesting how they can let someone who might not know Star Wars to like a T still make and produce and direct an episode. But then you got the other people kind of working behind the scenes to say, Hey, use this, you you know, do that. And yeah. making, making the, the suggestions that they can kind of take to make it even better. So, um, so we see the nice big escape from Boba and Fennec. They, you know, they steal slave one. There's a big blaster shootout and everything like that. Fennec proved very useful. Uh, slamming out the hand. Which apparently they're, they're going away from that name, I think, hey? Like they didn't use the name Slave One at all? Yeah, so... Uh, he called it He called it something else. So he called it by the model name, which is 
the the slave fire one spray. slave one is a fire spray 31 attack shuttle or whatever it's called and uh yeah and and it is always and has been slave one it's going to be slave one forever uh in in the hearts of every star wars fan out there it's always slave one right there's, there's lego sets from two years ago that are called slave one um and uh i guess they're just being safe they're just being I think they're just being scared, honestly. Like, like, uh, like, safe is definitely Cancel culture, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's almost like they try to assume it's like, oh, whether where there isn't cancel culture, maybe there will be someday. Let's address this while it's not an issue, and then it becomes an issue because everyone's like, what the heck? Like, yeah, there's no need to all the normal this. people like, are like, why yeah. change this after like 50 years? <laughs> the, the, the name wasn't offensive or anything. I mean, like, it was, it was, it was, it was, I don't know, it was kind of a cool name, it was kind of unique. Like, it's, it's been made to be menacing. Forever. That was the idea because yeah. Bob was a bad guy, yeah, it was, it was menacing, right? Yeah, um, and uh, I don't know, I mean, like, I, I've got my gripes with it. At least they didn't rename the ship, at least they just called yeah, it by the model true. name, yeah. yet. Not yeah, not yeah. yet at least. But yeah, at least they, they you know, he says, uh, "I need you to." Uh, what did he say to Fennec again? I, uh, I, I'd like your help in recovering my fire spray or something like that. Like he says, I thought he just said a ship, but yeah, he, he says I think a ship would have been better. Hopefully, he didn't say my fire spray. Yeah, right. Yeah, my firefly class vessel. At, at least he didn't call it the fire spray, right? I, I don't think he said that. So that no. tells me that it's not the title as the fire spray it's 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 just Unless he's it's calling the only it. one yeah it's like i don't know it's it's like consolo saying i need to get back to my yt my yt uh 1300 1300 i think yeah. and and or i don't know which is a kind of a clunky name to use but um you know you would just say the falcon but but yeah i guess i guess with a cool model name like the fire spray it's like they can kind of get away with it but it's still kind of it stinks it still, it still stinks. So, yeah, um, the problem is because clearly they don't want to go back to the original name. If I feel yeah. like people start to complain about calling it by, like the 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 manufacturer's name for the that specific ship, they're probably going to make something else up instead. Right. So, I don't know if it's worth pushing. You know what I mean? It might go the the wrong direction. Yeah. As yeah. far as like as fans are concerned. Darian, when was the first time that you heard it was called Slave One? I don't even know. That's just what I know the ship as. Yeah, it's, just, Lego it's box, just this thing, right? No, I, I think it's just this thing. Like, people just kind of, it's always been a thing, right? Like, everyone's always just yeah. known it as Slave One, right? And, and so I think for a lot of people, using the model number is actually less familiar. And most people don't even know oh, I had, I had no idea it was... The fire spray, like, or a fire spray model. Like, I honestly had no yeah. idea. Um, yeah. So I just assumed it was Slave One. So even if he said, like, oh, I have to go back to my ship, and he left it as that. But the fact that, like, he said, like, fire spray shows, like, they're, like, trying to get around Slave One. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and awkwardly. They're... Yeah, and awkwardly. Like, just leave it. Just save my ship and just leave it at that. <laughs> because yeah. it even sounds weird. Let's say it was still called Slave One. So it, it leaves that very awkwardly for interpretation of you got to help me save my slave one. <laughs> right. So yeah, let's just say ship. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. Like, I mean, they, yeah. they've been rebranding this thing very frequently, like in the last couple months. Right. But only last year they'd used slave one in a star Wars comic. Like they, like Lando says, it. Lando says something, something slave one. And, and it was bolded as a title, right? Because, you know, that's how they do it in comics. Whenever someone's name or 
something comes up, it's usually bolded. And, uh, and yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, it was in, it was like in star Wars issue number something or another, like last year, number, I don't know, number 20 or whatever it was. But, uh, I was like, hold on a second. Like that, that, that was only a year ago. Like, you know, obviously this is a very like recent, recent thing. And they, and they were shooting book of Boba last year. So when they recorded this episode or when they shot the clips for this episode, like they, it was probably only a couple months after that comic book came out. And I'm trying to think if there was any backlash and I honestly can't remember any. Like I, I, I only, I, the only thing I could think of more recently is all the complaints that have been around this whole thing. But uh, it could be that while they were writing this series, somebody was like, Oh wow, that's the name. We have to fix that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. All it takes is one strong voice or. And it just goes yeah. up the chain of command, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. But, uh, you know, he gets the ship back. And uh, here we go on the revenge. The revenge spree I brought up earlier. Killing off all the bikers. And then he goes for the, the Sarlacc scene. pit. It was, like, it was the best. It was, it like, was, it satisfying. was so refreshing, yeah. you know. And Yeah, and especially because like, it was like shooting a fish in a barrel. Like, they can't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was so, yeah. it was quite cruel. Like, it was, it was not something that was very just, right? Right. Well, like it was revenging, like his fallen like friends with the uh, sand, the sand people, but they were defenseless. <laughs> but I that felt it, like Boba Fett because he's supposed to be underhanded and kind of kind of dirty like that. Do you even think it was them that killed the Tuscan Raiders? And it it wasn't. Yeah, the they, no, it was them because they spray painted their symbol right. on, on, yeah. on the tents. But he wipes True. out the whole the whole crew, so I think that means like the planet's just now safe, maybe from from their clan or their group or whatever. There, yeah. was, there was way more bikers than I actually thought that there would be because, you know, he wiped that a lot, but, uh, you know, he just, it was so funny that he wiped them all out, you know, just boom, gone. Did anyone else get like, uh, flashbacks to Luke saying like, it's like, sh- uh, shooting like muskrats or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? What are they called? <laughs> yeah. Womp rats. But- Womp rats, that's it. It's like, because like, in like that shooting. scene, he's talking oh, about like, how like back home in Tatooine, they home, used to fly. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the same idea, but they're shooting bikers with Slave One. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you see the ship that Luke was shooting uh, womp rats with, right, in the background. It yeah. kind of been the same idea. You know, flying over top, like shooting these womp rats. <laughs> When he when he goes for the Sarlacc pit, uh, to me that was that was like even even more satisfying because you know I I kind of like the fact that he gets revenge for the Tuscan Raiders that kind of helped him out for the last four years or so, but when he goes after the Sarlacc pit, I was like, this is was, this is cool because like this is the really thing. oh man yeah, I thought it was, was kind of dumb. I thought well, it was really dumb too. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. I, when when like, he goes to the Sarlacc, just lowering like a... the ship like into its mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I, could well, possibly go wrong? Yeah. Here, so here's, the thing, here's the thing about this because like I actually I don't know about maybe maybe it was just me, but I didn't expect it at all to be even alive because he used his flamethrower to even get out of the thing. That so, thing's huge though. I, I didn't. It, it was really. Big. It was way bigger than I thought it was. And but when he uses his flamethrower to to somehow get out i thought that that had killed it right so to me when he was like lowering i didn't, I didn't even know ships could do that but when he was lowering that's himself, i mean that's that was my problem with it was like okay the thrusters for the slave one are at the back so how does it fly when it's 
facing the ground. I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense. I have no Just idea. Just put it in reverse. That that that, that aside, that aside, I, I, because, well, I don't know. I mean, like the whole thing has an anti-grav thing to keep them in their seats like when they're flying in space so like maybe it's got some sort of yeah i'm sure there's something anti maybe there's thrusters on the side that turn around or yeah something. yeah know. like that it wasn't super hard for me to kind of like wrap my head around but i don't know i like i wasn't expecting the starlight to be alive and then I, th- I thought the whole thing was actually quite quite exciting and then and then when when they used the seismic charge of all things oh to gosh. actually blow it up I was like that. That's so cool. I never get tired of the seismic charges. Like those, no. those are just so <laughs> I mean, satisfying. I will say, I didn't think this was an appropriate time for that because let's say it was on any other angle, it would have died and blew up the slave one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It sounds like I like the sequence a lot more than you guys do. But there's a lot of I don't know. To me, the whole thing was just very unnecessary because he knew he had the armor. He should have memory of leaving the Sarlacc with the armor on. So yeah. clearly he lost it after he got out. Yeah. He was and then severely... all the levels of things that had to be, I guess, like tweaked or added in canon to make this whole thing work to me was just ridiculous. My, my thought on the armor thing, my thoughts were that he was just so disoriented when he got out that he just doesn't remember. Right. And then and then. He but his was... memory, any memory of it all should be through the visor. Which means he was wearing the armor. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I mean, to him, like, I mean, we see the visor, but maybe in Star Wars, maybe their their helmets are probably a little more clear than me just putting on one of these these replica helmets and not being able to see a thing. But um, I don't know. I like. I, I thought like, okay, even if he did, like, there was the one look up at the sky kind of thing, and then he kind of just faints, right? And so he was already out of it, just kind of wasted on the sand. And then he gets hit in the head, like at, <laughs> later that night, yeah. right? like smoked with a the job with, the, with the butt of a rifle or something. Yeah. So and the, uh, to me, I'm like, OK, you know, if, if, if he wakes up and realizes his armor is gone and doesn't remember who took it kind of thing, then I'm not too surprised about that. Like maybe he thought it just sand storm blew back into the hole or something like that. <laughs> who knows? Right. Like, I, mean, I don't know. It's yeah, it's. To me, it felt like they wanted to write in him getting revenge on the Sarlacc and needed an excuse to do it. But yeah, or like just they needed to show that like what happened to it because like we didn't know it was dead. Like it was like did the flamethrower kill it? Did it not? Yeah. And now we know like it's dead because it has a seismic charge in its mouth. Yeah. And like they're also showing us that like he he lost his memory and like maybe like the damage that the Sarlacc pit did to him like it was actually. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We we knew it did damage to him, but like the the amount, like he forgot that he lost his armor, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna be, like, we need to know that in the next few episodes. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think so because they. Oh, you mean like a callback sort of thing? Yeah, yeah I don't know. The back to tank, like even Fennec says in this episode, she says like the back to tank healed all his wounds, but mm-hmm. there's still scars on the inside. She says, right? So I don't know. I mean, like mental brain damage is kind of like out of their probably area of topic of choice but but you know it's it's plausible to think that okay after all that you know you had like complete lack of water smoked in the head acid to the skin you know it's just it's a lot of stuff for a guy to go through i wouldn't blame him if he just forgot that he that he climbed out with his armor right but i think that's what saved him so he should have been able to remember that but 
Yeah. Were you guys surprised that the Starlack was strong enough to hold a starship down, keep it from escaping? Uh, the 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 what? Sorry, the the Starlack. It like it. Well, the Slave One was like super close. Oh. The Starlack grabs onto the tentacles. Yeah. And he, the ship wasn't able to get away. I I had a hard time buying that only because we saw a tentacle grab Lando's leg and struggle to pull him in. Yeah, that's true. That's the only reason why I doubted that. <laughs> Literally. Because that's a good point. The size of this. The, the size heat coming of off these thrusters. Like, those <laughs> yeah. tentacles, how do they handle that heat? <laughs> exactly. Well, obviously the explanation is Lando is really strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just a little higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they shoot it and it lets go. And in this, yeah. it's holding on to the, to the Slave 1 right next to the thrusters. There's no problem. Yeah, like the only because uh, that's literally the only reason why it was hard. It was a hard sell for me because this thing is huge. Like if, I don't know if you guys have seen like a schematic of like a like a two D drawing of the side profile. You know, the sand cut open with the whole insides and everything like that. It's always drawn extremely big and it's just rooted in the planet, right? Like it's just this giant like underground sack of stomach. And like the mm. the tongue is that little beak, like that's just the tongue, yeah. right? The whole creature is like beneath that thing, right? And then there's also like all these spiny tentacle things that it's like rooted itself in the planet with. So uh, that's why I thought, oh, the seismic charge, that's perfect. Like that'll that'll do the job. That'll kill it. But uh, right. but the uh, but the actual like strength of this tentacle, I was like, okay, I I believe that it is that strong to hold the ship. But now I just don't know why it couldn't pull Lando in. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point Bravo, one, good one of them is wrong right oh, yeah, yeah we gotta tweet pablo and ask yeah. what what's going on with this i feel like indiana jones the bag of rice in one hand and the the idol in the other i'm like come on yeah <laughs> which, which one's, one's more which, one, which, which one's real yeah <laughs> um okay so after this oh, the, you know what, sorry one what, last thing with the starlight because there's yeah. a lot in this scene yeah they also canonized, I don't know if you notice this, they canonized the original design of the Sarlacc and they kept the canon of the special edition Sarlacc pit. Yeah, they did both. Yeah. Yeah, which is neat because people are like, oh, George Lucas keeps tweaking everything or whatever Sarlacc. They added this beak thing, right? Yeah. Now in this one, when we meet it, it doesn't have the beak and the beak doesn't show up till later. We see that it comes out. So technically both are announced. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Which the, I thought was it's cool. the tongue, right? It's the, like the little kind of thing that comes yeah. out to grab. The but food, when you watch yeah. Return of the Jedi, the latest version, mm-hmm. there's no from like there's the, no the 90s beak. on. Yeah. It's yeah. just the beak is sticking out of the top. So you're left to believe that it's like that all the time. It's just a pit with all the teeth. Around the whole, yeah, right? exactly, yeah. which is what yeah. we see at the beginning of when we see the Sarlacc in this scene, right? Right, exactly. That's a great point to bring up, yeah. Um, and I guess maybe it was hiding down there because I mean, it has taken damage, right? Like, he did really unleash his flamethrower inside the stomach of this thing, so you know, maybe it was it was still hurting or whatever, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point to bring up. So, um, can't say the same for you, no. <laughs> you hear that phil you and that <laughs> still good man it's still, still good song it's, it's still they gotta good. find a home for it they gotta recanonize it somewhere they do they do it's it's still good uh all right so around the fire pit boba says something to fennec and i wrote it down he says how many times have you been hired to do a job 
that was avoidable if they just took the time to think. And, you know, Boba, Boba thinks that crime lords are, are dumb. Like, he thinks that a lot of them are just a, a miscommunicative, believes that a lot, of, a lot more lives could have been saved, he says. And um, he says their kind is dying because of the idiocy of others. And I thought that was really interesting. And, like, it gives him a lot of motive because it makes me wonder before this episode, I was like, why does he want to become a crime lord? You know, other than that, it's the next step up from just being a bounty hunter. Like, why does he want to do that? And, you know, I was trying to rack my head because, like, nothing nothing that Django's ever done ever really, ever really was of that level. Like, Django yeah. had his own <laughs> achievement of yeah, having he, a he son, right? was a simple man make his way in the galaxy. Yeah, exactly. And and his biggest life achievement was, I mean, like, it was nice that he got this clone army in his, in his name, in his, in his face and everything like that. But what was really the selling point when when he made that arrangement with Dooku was that he had a son out of it, right? He had his own clone that he was able to call a son. And and that was like the biggest thing to him. That was like the biggest life achievement, I think, for Django that really kind of, uh, I guess, made his life meaningful. And Boba's never had that. And he's never had um, family. And he's always felt alone and... Um, in the Clone Wars and stuff, he experiences a lot of that mm. stuff. So when we see him in the in the book of Boba Fett, the Tuscans are really this family that he's never had. And he's really this clan that he's kind of been absorbed into and been pulled into. And and he really throws himself back at it as a learning experience. And he comes out of it a better man. And he says that to Fennec. He says, I learned a lot. Like, I'm, I'm more powerful because I'm not alone, right? And because I, I can have others. And so he offers Fennec the chance of staying with him and offers her his loyalty and a cut on whatever success comes out of his endeavors. Um, and I thought that this episode was really not just the best episode, but it also gave him um, purpose in this entire show uh, and, and the reason kind of why he's becoming a crime lord. So I don't know. What, what, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, it shows he has a lot of respect for like the job of being a bounty hunter too. It's not just killing to him. Like, yeah. And like you said, yeah, yeah it, it totally sets up the show and it like, instead of just, I don't know, like you said, just taking up the next role, being the crime Lord, he's like actually doing it for a reason and trying to make a change, which is kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. Cause bounty hunters in star Wars, they're basically mercenaries for hire, right? You will do any job. So, I think he's he's growing past that, and uh, he even says in the scene they're talking about Josh. He specifically says how many lives could be saved as well, which is showing that maybe he is growing past the standard bounty hunter of just whatever, just whatever it takes, just get paid mm -hmm. to actually having a a value of other people in the galaxy as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a huge one because as, as a guy who took on contracts for money, you know, he, like, I'm sure he had his, his own, he didn't just take any job, right? Like he probably would have had this Boba Fett. He would have had the option or whatever, but uh, he says, yeah, how many lives could have been saved? And, you know, when he talks about all these crime Lords being, idiots and miscommunicative and all that stuff i think like he he's just kind of perceiving this whole thing of like 
we kill your men, you kill our men kind of thing back and forth. Like, you know, his, his new thinking is like, hold on a second. If we just all, you know, <laughs> what he says in the Mandalorian, like everybody put your guns down. Let's have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he's just, he's the negotiator now, right? He's like, he's not so much about the, <laughs> yeah. like, let's just kill everybody. Like he's not so a murderer. He's the Obi-Wan he's, of the crime world. <laughs> yeah. I mean like Boba Fett, he's not, he's not a murderer. He's, He's a professional and he's like one of the biggest professionals in the galaxy, right? Tell that to the bikers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, he's a professional that 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 you shouldn't mess Within with. Reason. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's you know, he's a scary dude because yeah, you don't wanna take anything out on Boba Fett. But at the same time, they needed time, to do like, something like that though. They needed to show that Boba Fett's still willing to do what it takes and like he's yeah. not gonna be just dis- like dishonored, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the, the loyalty is a big thing for him right now. So whatever we knew of him before uh, is is kind of it's it's uh, the good parts of Boba have been amplified. Right. Uh, him coming out of this experience with the Tusken Raiders. So uh, like there's a lot of like little moments in the Clone Wars where he has a bit of loyalty and he's he's given up um, the <laughs> the authenticity of completing a job when he realized that this princess in the box on the train was intended to go to this crime gross king gross like yeah this like you know grease monger dude that was <laughs> awaiting his prize as trophy right and and he realizes who's in this in this box and this on you know when he's on this train and and figures out oh these assassins that are trying to come after the the prize or the you know, the, the treasure that we're trying to protect, um, you know, we're, we're actually helping the bad guys here. So he, he, uh, he actually kind of gives that up and then Ventress comes up with a better plan and puts him in the box, gets paid and, and the girl gets saved. So, uh, you know, he, he gets a little double cross. He's probably a little chapped because of that, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, the great Clone Wars episode, really, really good Clone Wars episode. And, and, uh, you know, the train heist episode in Clone Wars. I forget. What, do you know what season it was? So like season four, season five? Yeah. It's, I feel like it was earlier than that. Like maybe season three. Season, I think it was like, yeah, season three or four maybe. Um, but it was so good. And I don't remember anyone complaining that. It was a one-off episode too, as opposed to the series. Episodes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was during the phase of like Ventress becoming a bounty hunter and all that. But, uh, but yeah, it was kind of like this really good one shot episode. Uh, I said it before, but a good train heist is always a good, a good plot point. And, uh, and I I don't remember anyone complaining about Boba being this, you know, a guy with a heart, right? Like no, no one ever said anything bad about his uh, caring for this, for this character that he only just met and realized is actually a captive. Uh, And, and that part is like the, one of the few things that sticks with me anytime I see this, new side of Boba Fett that we've never seen before in this show is like, he's not just a bounty hunter and he's not just a guy that's killed people. He's also a guy that's saved people. And he's a guy that's done the right thing more than a few times. Um, And he's also kind of come to terms with Mace Windu and killing his father and everything like that, because he, he tries to kill Mace Windu and other people push him to do it. Right. And Aura Singh is always over his shoulder trying to make him do the bad thing. But realistically, he's actually not that guy, and and uh, and it ends off with him going to prison because of his attempted murders. But 
Mace Windu kind of has a word with him, and I guess they kind of they kind of work it out. He, he try he tries to come back back at him later, but yeah, it, it I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't uh, it, that that was kind of the last of it. Like they they never brought up the Boba Mace Windu revenge story after that. After he goes to prison, he comes out. He breaks out of prison again when the whole prison break happens, and it's 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 never a plot that they repeated. So that to me tells me that oh okay, well he was set on revenge at one point for killing his father, but you know he's not so hell bent on it that he actually you know went after him again, right? Like he kind of he let it go, and uh, that's a pretty honorable thing to do, you know, like. Mm-hmm. To, to let go the, the the murderer of your own father that's like the only family that you've ever had that's a big deal right so it's a very uh, big deal yeah it's a big character thing for sure um there's one there's a few other things actually uh so the overlay of the mask and the back to tank end of the flashbacks i think we already brought that up uh boba's fully healed and mm-hmm. um so what we didn't talk about was the present and uh, this is like the last section of the episode. We uh, we kind of go to the, that uh, cantina that the, the Twi'lek owns. I forget the name of the establishment. Uh, we see Black Chrysanthemum uh, yeah. just rage on a bunch of Trandoshans. He's in a drunken rage. He was yeah. seeing these Trandoshans like, like win at cards. And they're like making all this money. And he's sitting there just like yeah. throwing the drink back. Just getting madder and madder. <laughs> that was really funny. Black. It reminded me almost of something I would think Gimli would do. <laughs> black Black Chrysanthemum. For anyone who doesn't didn't know, he was. I think it was Trandoshans that that ended up making him uh, uh, a gladiator and and kind of sending him into fight arenas to to to, for, to fight. Yeah, I know. the the relationship between Wookiees and Trandoshans is also just really bad. But I'm just guessing that it was Trandoshans that sent him in there. Uh, the EU for that is Trend the Trandosha? Is that the home planet? I'm not sure. I, don't, my head. I actually don't know. Well, their home world is right next to Kashyyyk. Yeah. And they're known Bad as neighbors. Bad neighbors. They're, they're really known as like poachers. Yeah. Like the uh, Trandoshan the peoples. They try to hunt and so they the often would go to Kashyyyk and just try to capture a bunch of bookies and sell them into slavery. Yeah. So there's yeah, always in the first episode, apparently one of them gave a pelt to Boba Fett. Yeah. A, a, like yeah. a, That's right. a Wookiee pelt. So obviously. That's right. Yeah. Because I, I was very confused watching because I didn't know about that. I'm like, why is like, just let it go. Like, why are you so angry at these alligator looking dudes? And he's like, that makes more sense. Yes. Yeah, so and again, like we mentioned. Deep. Yeah. Like it's like people that like watch EU stuff and that kind of thing. Like this makes sense to them why he's doing this. So it mm-hmm. just, it's cool that they're including all this stuff. Yeah, and that kind of makes it canon now too, right? Yeah. Because I'm not sure if that was ever brought up in Clone Wars just as like a an off comment or anything, but now it's like for sure canon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was a Clone Wars arc where a bunch of Trandoshans captured Chewbacca and yeah. Ahsoka. That's and the only time I can think of, but that wasn't yeah. specifically them versus Wookiees. No, yeah. Well, uh, the Wookiees did liberate Ahsoka and, and Chewbacca, and, and there was a, a bit of a fight between a bunch of Trandoshans and Wookiees there. But yeah, there was never any like Clone War style event between, you know, like no giant war between the two planets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always just been these guys are kind of like pirates, and the Wookiees are, have always been like 
you know, treated badly. Like whether it's the Trandoshans that are hunting them, the empire enslaving them or whatever, right? Yeah. Like there's always something going on. So, uh, Poor yeah. Wookiees. Yeah. They're intelligent and they're strong. It, it also adds a lot of character to Black Chrysanthemum because like we just kind of perceive him as this, this Wookiee that tried to kill Boba. And th there's a lot more of him in the comic books. But, um, you know, he's definitely a guy who who's not let go of the life he's living currently and the kind of all the reasons that brought him there and, and, and the Trandoshans that are, you know, party partying away and, and making profits off, off gambling or whatever else, I guess they didn't do a thing to him, but it's just, he probably just was just so mad and, yeah. you know, like just probably stewing in the last episodes result, right. Him, be, you know, just being once again, captured once again, sold as a tribute to somebody else who thankfully let him go. But it was, it was just another, another bad incident. Right. And, and he goes to drink his sorrows away and he's a Wookiee. So he can't do that really. And <laughs> I, have a, I have a hard time thinking he's going to stay loyal to Boba Fett though. I really yeah. see them like fighting together and then black chrysanthemum just like turning on Boba Fett. I could see that happening like episode six. I don't know. Cause what we're seeing here is chrysanthemum. Boba did let him go. He, he has an issue. Go. Yeah, he did. And that's why I think it's a big part of it. Because we're seeing that Chrysanthemum has an issue with he's been betrayed a lot. But did he not offer to hire him? Yeah. He did at the end, yeah. yeah. And that's why I think this might be a growth at the end of this of the series for Black Chrysanthemum. Because he'll finally work someone who's honorable. It's probably going to treat him properly. And then he's going to have to come to terms with that. Because he thinks everyone's going to betray him. Right. I think that's pretty likely as well, yeah, because he's he's kind of the the way that they're portraying him in this episode is kind of the way that he's been portrayed before in in the in the pages and everything and and yeah, it's it's I could see there there be some sort of development there. I know Black Chrysanthemum's also had some kind of loyalty, I guess, in a little in a little ways towards a character in the comics called Doctor Afra. Uh, they had a bit of a partnership going on for a little bit. Uh, but I thought that was kind of cool. He hires him as like a muscle, you know, just for his crew yeah. that doesn't really exist other than the four cyber kids and the two Camorian guards. So <laughs> it was a bit neat. Yeah, it'd be cool to see him like in the next episodes and like fighting with Boba. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I do hope yeah. they do that. That would be pretty I feel neat. like yeah. there's got to be more to it because there's like, there's a huge fight scene. Then the woman that, who runs the canteen and tries to talk him out of it, saying she'll wipe his bar tab and everything. And then he decides to hell with it. And he just rips off the Trandoshan's arm. Which we finally see a Wookiee tear an arm off. So that's pretty <laughs> yeah, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, <laughs> and then Boba approaches him and says he's got a job for him, and then we only see him really be a security guard at the meeting, and that to me doesn't feel like it's worth approaching him for that job. No, so I feel like there has to be something else that's going to come up that will be his, like an actual difficult quest essentially that he's he's given black chrysanthemum to do well this is what this is what leads me to kind of the final thing uh of the episode is when when fennec says well boba says something about preparing for war and then mm -hmm. fennec says credits can buy muscle if you know where to look and then the mandalorian theme plays at the very yeah. end leading Which us to believe they're gonna try to hire mando yeah they're gonna hire him but it's like they, they can't just hire one guy right like like i think what we're gonna see over the next couple episodes is even a return of 
other bounty hunters that that maybe have made appearances in the past like boss an army of mandalorians <laughs> and, and well an army of of mercenary right and like yeah. this is this is the book of boba fett like this is boba's world as a crime lord like he's not gonna hire just anyone he's gonna hire like, a weak way he's gonna hire the best guns on the market right and so come on hondo yeah <laughs> that'd be awesome so yeah like uh, like i think mando's a likely return i think like we're gonna come face to face with obviously him black chrysanthemum i mean, boba himself fan a young like, grogu <laughs> yeah i mean like who knows right? new like, powers. like we could see like we could see a lot of bounty hunters make appearances in this in this upcoming series just to like a couple a handful of really good bounty hunters versus an mm -hmm. army of pikes it's not it's not something that we hadn't seen before like there's bounty hunters are very capable people right like in the clone mm -hmm. the clone wars really established that a that a good bounty hunter is one of the like pretty they're pretty wicked right like they can kill a lot yeah. of a it's lot because they're resourceful yeah and, they and fight dirty exactly and like master assassin fennec shand you know the, the whole title and everything like it's kind of true like she killed like a ton of stormtroopers when they were fighting the stormtroopers um, they, they are stormtroopers but she killed them all better than han solo would have right and uh it's she's good at what she does so yeah i, I think that we could see a lot of return returning and familiar faces that maybe we haven't seen for a long time do you think that scene with the with the crime lords at the table is like straight out of the godfather <laughs> yeah yeah totally it's like I, literally the exact same thing yeah like, oh absolutely don't like promising not to fight and they turn on each other kind of thing I like love, that yeah. like, I love... like like i don't trust black chrysanthemum like i could also see the families hopefully not but I, I going against like, their word i don't know about you guys but i love they're definitely that... going to at least one of them will i'm guessing the yeah. dog guy yeah which was true the, he did get the most screen time who's the bitter one yeah i, lo I love that the rancor settled the, the small uprising that they almost had you know they're yeah like, well, why do we let you sit on there wait why, why are you in charge kind of thing right and then yeah and then the <laughs> Like see claws like, come to the floor. Yeah, yeah, and then Boba's like, just like everyone, calm hungry. down. Here, gives you, yeah, she gets There's a bit a chicken bone down there. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and they're I gotta all like, say though, what? Like we're sitting. And on they, a they all sat down again. If I was there, I would not sit down with a rancor and like a pit because I could just open up at any moment right below me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was it was it was cool. It was cool seeing that stuff and. uh uh, like get some use out of the rancor and all that, you know, yeah. it's pretty, pretty neat, but, um, yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that, do you guys think Mandalorian is going to make an appearance in the next episode or are we going to have to wait longer for this? I think wait, probably. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the end of next episode. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I don't think they'll jump right to it. They literally, the next episode literally could just be like an episode of them like getting people to join their squad that are just like familiar yeah. to Star Wars. Right. With like like they catch could... catch word of where the pikes are and they're like prepping for battle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've seen it in so many other movies and TV shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Maybe like going. maybe they could they could I doubt it they could leave Tatooine maybe. Maybe they could, could take the the fire spray to somewhere else and. Yeah. The, yeah who the knows it, it, it'll be interesting to see who they bring right yeah yeah definitely um there was a lot of complaints online about this show taking place 100 percent on tatooine but i actually don't really know if any of those complaints are valid like th this whole show is kind of kind yeah of, like where else would they go yeah like like it's also showing it's a us, local issue 
right? Right. Like it's a local thing and it's, it's, it's about who sits on the job is thrown. It's about, you know, his flashbacks on Tatooine, his time in the desert, yeah. the, the five years he spent with the Tuscans, right? That so, being said, I could see going to say Narshida dealing yeah. with hot stuff. Now that the flashbacks are over, I could see yeah. us moving on from just staying in Tatooine. Right. Like, like obviously resolve the Pike thing, but, but you know, like, yeah, I could see there being like a small detour or two. To, or Kessel, I guess, in this case. Right. Like, oh, we got to hire some people. Let's let's take slave one go off planet you know go hire some mercenaries on i may know a few comes back with all the leftover clones <laughs> just all these Django's. Oh, i have an idea let's go back to camino on topoca city and house oh wait <laughs> we'll get a few more <laughs> uh yeah so you know Topoka City, all go, all gone, all destroyed. That's true. Um, yeah, I, you know, it could be interesting. We could see, we could see some major spoilers for even Bad Batch. Maybe, maybe we'll see members of the Bad Batch show up. Maybe they're mercenaries now. That's what I was thinking. Like they're still going. <laughs> yeah, they probably have growth enhancement though, so they'll all be really old. <laughs> maybe we'll. That'd see, be huge yeah. though. The full squad. Yeah, a bunch of old farts. That'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Uh, I don't know. I I think we'll we might see High Singer, like the the crazy droid with all the the guns. He's got that fan looking head shape thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe Embo with the IG eighty eight, the flying hat thing, and the dog. Yeah, yeah. IG eighty eight maybe or IG IG. Didn't somebody. two of the original five bounty hunters recently die in the comics in that bounty hunter wars? Oh, Zuckus and Forloom. Yeah. yeah. So they. They yeah they had a bit of a, a bit of an outing I guess, there was there was something yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't exactly remember I think one of them might have ended up living, but the other one died or something like that, it was it was one of the two or they both died, and and that was at the end of it but, I don't know I I mean there there are two bounty hunters that come out of the classic movie I wouldn't be surprised if they're like yeah let's just it'd be a shame to back. kill them off in a comic just saying. Yeah, it kind of would be, honestly. So, yeah, maybe they'll bring them back. I don't know. Who knows? Like, one of them's a droid. One of them's, like, kind of a cyborg thingy, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, they're uh, alien bug species. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, like, uh, maybe they could They wear the respirator because they, yeah. they breathe methane, or I think. Right. I'm fingers crossed for Bosk, though. Bosk, I, I, I would love to see Bosk. Live action Bosk. Or he again. could just hire Dirge. Dirge, Dirge do the whole Dirge, thing. Yeah, they brought Dirge back in the in the Bounty Hunter series. You know why not, right? Maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe reminding people about the characters, they could bring it into the series. That'd be cool, right? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, Cad Bane. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some bad blood that uh, needs yeah, to be tech... resolved still. Who knows? Because I guess we all consider him dead because of those reels, but technically that's not canon. So Cad Bane could show up. He could. He could. Yeah. Uh, I hope he doesn't, but he can. <laughs> let's just because I, I want the original Boba story. That's the only reason why. Yeah, that, that's a that's a cancel Clone Wars arc. They should have just finished. But oh well. All right. La last thoughts on this episode. Speculation going forward. Darian, go ahead. Um. Yeah, I think we're gonna see Mandalorian by the end of the next episode. Like I said, they're gonna we're gonna do some recruiting. Gonna see some familiar faces, and. I think it's going to be like Boba and his crew versus like everyone else. That's my guess. 
The whole, like, we're going neutral thing was BS. I'm calling it. You Wait. think he's going to betray them? He's like, cause I don't he's think he's gonna. Them. I don't think he's gonna betray them. He's got too much like respect, as we've seen. Like that would be a good crime lord move, though. I just ask that you don't betray me, and then he does the work and then kills everyone else. <laughs> but like, why doesn't he just take the slave one right now and go kill the pikes? That's a good point. They're on foot. <laughs> 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 just gun them down. And they came on. I mean, we know that they came on the too city easy. bus, so on city transit, so they clearly don't have like ship capabilities. What about you, Blake? Speculation, last last few words. Yeah, I think I think uh, we're onto something here. I think next episode is going to be like a seventh samurai esque recruit all the friends episode. Like, come on, be like, no, I'm I'm retired. I don't do that no more. Yeah. Like, just one more, just one more battle. We got to do this. Like, no, I can't do it. And then like his house gets set on fire. And he's like, that's it. I, I gotta <laughs> I gotta get get back at these guys. I think it's gonna be that for like the entire episode. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. alright guys well thanks for coming back this week and uh, I guess we'll hopefully see you both in the next one sounds good I'll be there alright and uh, to all you guys listening at home thank you so much for tuning in to the show and we'd love to hear from you like I opened up with I think I actually forgot to play the Book of Boba theme song in the beginning there so uh, that's all right. Next time. <laughs> and uh, shoot us an email, SWSkatePodcast at gmail.com, as well as our Twitter at SWSkatePodcast. All things at SWSkatePodcast. Look us up, subscribe, and leave a review. That would be awesome. May the force be with you guys, and we'll see you next time on Star Wars Escape Podcast.